Everything Leafs podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Nick D'Souza and Kevin Papetti. Welcome to the Everything Leaves Podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti here with Nick D'Souza as always. We have a bit of a hybrid podcast tonight. We have the trade deadline reaction. We've already talked about Felino and Nash, but we have a few more deals to talk about. And we also have a couple of losses to talk about, Nick. So uh, an overtime loss against Calgary, also a loss against Montreal. Nick, let's start with the trade deadline, though. If you were just to give them an overall grade, what are your thoughts on on just a letter grade to start? Uh, for Toronto, I'll give them a B plus. I think that they do fill their needs. Uh, we knew that they needed a, a few different type of positions. Like they get their goalie, they get the depth defenseman. Obviously, they got Felino. They got I'm going to include Galchenyuk as well, even though it didn't happen at the deadline. And then they get Riley Nash, so uh, some some depth at center. So I give them a B plus. You know, I don't think they knocked this one out of the park. I do think you know, you know, maybe in their individual moves they could have kind of hit it out of the park so i'm not going to give them an a minus but i think a b plus is fair yeah i gave them a b plus as well i think if you do include a galchenyuk i'd bump that up to an a minus maybe even an a depending on if he keeps playing like this but uh let's start i know we went with felino at the start we kind of had a, a podcast right after it so i don't know if we fully reflected on that deal so let's start with felino which was Gave up their 2021 first, as well as two fourths. They also took the salary back. Uh, I do not know how to pronounce the name. Uh, I think it's Noessen. I thought um, it was yeah, Nason. Definitely had it. I knew I had it wrong. But <laughs> they took they took on his salaries on a one-way deal. Uh, I believe it's close to a million dollars in order to get some of that salary retention. Uh, obviously, when you leave, you don't really care about that. It's more the, the first than the two fourths, but... Uh, I guess my reaction is, is, I do think it's a bit of an overpay, but I was comfortable giving up the first. I was comfortable overpaying slightly. I'd rather Felino than nothing. I do think there were perhaps better options available, but I do like Felino just personally. I'm going to be rooting for him. So uh, I, I'm okay with that deal, I'd say. I don't love it, but I'm okay with it. I would say the same thing. I think at first we didn't really know. So when we recorded the other day, we didn't really know you know, whether the Leafs didn't want Hall, whether they didn't push hard enough for Hall. We didn't really know the situation. So I think at the time I was pretty disappointed. I think now that the dust has settled, I've slept on it. I've looked at into it further. Uh, I kind of like the Foligno thing. You know, when it comes to the first round pick, I don't really mind. I mean, they've, they've added all these pieces without touching the prospects and without touching this current roster. And I think that's really important in itself. When I ranked all the Leafs' assets, like I had Robertson, Lilligren, Sandine, and Amarov all way more valuable than that first-round pick. So I think it is an overpay, but I don't really care per se about it, to be honest. Um, you know. And then when I look at this, this trade in general, and I look at it versus Taylor Hall. Now, obviously, both you and I wanted Taylor Hall. You know, you, myself, and, and Ian talked about it for almost an hour how much we wanted Taylor Hall and now that the dust has settled Taylor Hall pretty much said verbatim that his no move clause helped him get to Boston so and then even uh, Chris Johnston said that you know the Leafs kind of kicked tires early in the early in negotiations but after a little while you know they didn't really seem like there was much interest mutually so I think clearly you know Hall to Toronto wasn't really as close as I think a lot of us 
uh, kind of thought. And then the Leafs got the next best player. You know, Palmieri went to the Islanders. And then I think after that, a lot of the options, you know, didn't get traded in the end. And then they got the next best option, which was Nick Foligno. And I can't really complain about that. I know that there's a lot of complaints right now that this isn't the way that the Leafs should have gone. That's not the direction the Leafs should have gone. But, you know, I'd rather be the Leafs in right now than Colorado. Colorado was a team that, one, wanted Taylor Hall, lost in those sweepstakes. They were one of the teams that offered a first-round pick for Nick Foligno. They didn't win. And they ended up pretty much getting Carl Soderberg. Like, that was their main addition on trade deadline day. So, you know... I would much rather be in the Leafs situation right now when it comes to the trade deadline than Colorado's, for example. Yeah, I think with Hall, we just we'll never know the reasons, right? Like it's not like Dubis is going to come out and say his exact reasons why they didn't want Hall. Uh, as you said, it could have been the no move clause where you know Hall wants a place where he wants to go to a place where he has a chance to extend, and in Toronto he would have no chance. Even if Hall played well, he has little chance of extending in Toronto, unless it's going to take a huge discount. So uh, I could, I can see it from that perspective. We like, there could also be something like if they, if they don't think he's going to be a good fit in the room, I know some people kind of roll their eyes at that, but you know, maybe they know something we don't, for example, maybe just throwing an example out here, making this up, but like maybe J- John Tavares goes to Dubas and says, I hate Taylor Hall. Please do not bring Taylor Hall. Here. <laughs> like things like that. We would never know. Right. So when it's one player, um, I, I'm not too, I, you know, I can't lose too much sleep over it. If it was like seven forwards going better than Felino, and they still got Felino, I'd have more concerns. Um, I know Kyle Dubas knows about shooting percentage. I know he knows that Hall's going to rebound on shooting percentage, uh, at least, you know, quite a bit. Um, so I, I don't think that's what stopped him. But Felino's just such a good character guy. I'm really going to root for him. I think he's not as good offensively as some people suggest, or some people might think, just based on, you know, he used to be, a, I think he had one seventy plus point season, one fifty plus point season. Um, I actually compared him to prime Leo Komarov in my article. Um, maybe he's a little better offensively, but that, that year when Komarov was an all-star, and I think the following year, you know, he was a player that played with Kadri, was very strong defensively, brought some physicality, um, you know, chipped in 15 or so goals. I think that's what you're getting with Felino, maybe a little bit more skill. Um, the fact that he can play all three forward positions, though he's primarily a winger, is nice. I just think he's going to be such a well-liked guy in the room. Um, so just from a personal perspective, I'm, I'm happy with it. I liked him. I like that deal more than the, the Matias Janmark deal, who I think is a fine player. But I think if you're the Leafs, you have to go, you know, we want to make a splash. We want to make the room feel like, uh, we really got someone here. And I think giving up a first does that. I also just think that, you know, the, the fair price is probably a second for Felino without the retention. And I think some people kind of overestimate the difference between a late first and a second. So uh, I'm okay with the deal. I do think it's a slight overpay. If you do give up a first, um, normally you get a little bit better of a rental, but not that many forwards got moved. And, and I do like Felino. I do like what he brings, the physical aspect, the two-way game. So I'm excited to see him in, in Toronto. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up the feel to the room and just how he'll fit in the locker room because Keith actually had a media availability that morning, like the morning of the of the deadline. Sorry, the morning before um, Felino got traded. So, and he continued to use words like or phrases like, "We really like the feel in the room right now. We brought in Simmons, we brought in Thornton, we brought in Spezza." 
so that there's a bunch of leadership and we really like kind of this this veteran leadership in the locker room we've never had a a, a lineup as tight-knit like we hear that all the time nowadays and this was before Felino was traded so I, I think that at that time like that morning Toronto already either knew that they were going to get Felino or like that was clearly one of their biggest targets going into it uh, I don't know I thought that was kind of interesting now when it comes to Felino I think I think depth scoring, this is something I also see on my timeline right now, is that depth scoring is going to be a concern. And I do agree with that. I do think depth scoring was a concern last year against Columbus. I don't think Felino has really changed that. Like I don't think that he offensively is going to really push the needle. But I will say this, I do think Alchenyak, that trade, shouldn't be overlooked. And like the Leafs have the players to ice 12 good forwards, and they should not have a problem when it comes to depth scoring if the lineup is done right. And I think that's in Sheldon Keefe's hands now. I think he's going to experiment a bunch of different things over the next, uh, you know, last quarter or so of the season, probably less than a quarter. Um, but I don't know. I think it's really up to the lineup now. I think they definitely have the players to to have four lines that, you know, can do pretty good and outscore their opponents. But primarily it's going to be, they're going to have a checking line that's mostly going to be good defensively. I'm sure Felino is going to be on that line at some point. And other than that, I mean, you just, I mean, whether you're, you outscore your opponents, you know, 5-4 or one nothing, it's going to be the same thing. So I think I do expect a lot more low event hockey as the season goes on. Yeah, I think with depth scoring, that is going to be an issue, Nick, because it was a bit of an issue against Columbus. And... You know, just looking at it, we'll have to see where it shakes out. I just think that Felino, you know, I'm not going to pre- pretend he's as good as Hall. I don't think he is. But he is a good piece. I think he's going to be great for the room, great for the Amazon series when that show airs. Um, I, I do think that he gives him some flexibility in terms of, you know, maybe he can he can play in the top six uh, as a more of a defensive player. Maybe he can uh, be, on, be on a matchup line, as you said. I think there's lots of different options for him. Uh, I actually played with Matthews way back at the uh, at the World Championships, so I, I just think he's going to be such a popular teammate. I'm excited to see him. Um, and the one thing I'll say in terms of the deadline is like, I think as a front office, you know, sometimes people miss the forest for the trees. I think you know you see those some of those teams, for example, that finish ninth, tenth every year, or even eighth, and just you know they're never good enough to to make a legitimate cup run. And I, I think in this case, you know, you look at where the team is, I think they earned the right to give up the first round pick. And I, I think it was just best for and available that, that, that you were that you wanted. So if, if Hall wasn't a fit, Palmieri was already gone, you know, I followed didn't end up getting moved, Lawton didn't end up getting moved. Um, Felino's the really the next guy. I mean, Manta didn't make sense. That wasn't happening. The Leafs didn't have a veranda to, to give up. Um, and they, they can't really afford Manta's cap in future years without moving other other guys. So uh, I, I, I have no problem with the Polino move whatsoever, and I'm, I'm just excited to, to get to see him play in Toronto. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, I will. I want a few things that I want to address here because obviously anytime you see things like, like there was a pretty big kind of section of Leafs, like Leafs Nation, I guess I'll say, uh, that wanted Hall. And then there were people that wanted Felino. And I think any time that a team picks one player over the other, pretty opposite players. Um, stylistically, I mean, Hall is a good two-way player as well. Probably a better two-way player than Felino, But he doesn't get credit for it. Like, he's more 
like if you had to put it in two categories, one skill, one grit, obviously grit is fully, you know, and I think we're starting to see a lot of narratives that like I was listening to one saying that Dubis is, is kind of changing his philosophy now and he's going away from analytics and he's going towards grit and, you know, he got Bogosian and he got Simmons and I don't know. I don't know how much I buy that. Like the Leafs have been pretty much a top three, five on five team in terms of expected goals, uh, pretty much all season. Like, I don't know. How, I don't know how like this is the season out of all of them that he's, you know, getting away from analytics because according to kind of the major analytics, they've been one of the best teams in the league. So to, to add to that, like last year he got Clifford in his, one of his first moves at the deadline was Jake Muzzin and he got a bunch of players for that. Like Muzzin's not really your small skilled player. I don't know. I, I think I'm just tired of hearing like every single year Dubas gets someone who's, you know, somewhat, I guess, gritty. And then all of a sudden he's changing his philosophy. I think he's always believed in it to a certain extent. Um, so I don't know. Do you feel the same way? Like, I don't know if you've heard about these types of things too, but. So I write at Maple Leafs Hot Stove, as you know, and I wrote an article just on my thoughts on the trade deadline. And there was one commenter who was convinced that it wasn't Dubas making the trades. Like it was (laughs) Shanahan overruling him that they needed grit. It's like, it's like, are you serious? Like basically every move he likes, he says it's not Dubas. And then every move he he doesn't like, he, he says it was a Dubas move. Uh, it's it's like when people used to do the the lose slash Dubis moves way back in the day, or the just Hunter versus Dubis. I don't know. I, I just don't think people are paying attention enough. Like I don't know if you'll remember this. This is pretty niche, but there was when Dubis was still the assistant GM, and he was pretty much pretty heavily involved in the Marlies. It was before they won, and he was asked a question. I think it was during the off season. And he was asked about Frederick Gauthier and what he brings to the table. And Dubis got kind of defensive. And he said that, you know, a lot of people right now in hockey were kind of trying to figure out how defense is measured. And according to their stats and according to their measures, Frederick Goche grades out extremely well according to a lot of defensive metrics. I don't know if you remember that. Okay, I don't know if that was a good take by him, but we'll, well, we'll go I, with it. This is back when he was with the Marlies. So he came up with the Leafs and, and was decent defensively as a fourth. Uh, but anyways... He, yeah, this is, this is before he was on the Leafs and people went nuts about it because their notion about Dubas was that he's like this high, high offense guy. Gauthier was drafted by the Burke era. Like he wouldn't be a fan of Gauthier. And then Dubas came out and said that. So this is dating back. This was like in 2015 or 2016. Like it was early. And so I don't know, like Dubas has always been a fan of defensive hockey, I think. Or he's always valued players that can play defense. So I don't know. I'm not that surprised by him getting Bogosian and and Felino and and kind of trying to fix a defense that's been bad for years. Yeah, I said well to build a blue line. I will say, like with those press conferences, like people really overestimate what the general manager is going to say. Like I know when he defended CC, it's like, what the hell did you expect? Did you think he was going to get up to the podium and be like, Cody CC fucking sucks? Like. That's not what a general manager is going to say. He's always going to defend the player. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's I think that narrative's done. Um, but let's get to some of the other trades here. Just just the overall trade. So there's Riley Nash for, for a, a seventh, which could become a sixth. I know we went over with we went over that one already. Uh, Dave Riddich for a third, who, who started tonight. We're going to touch on the game a little bit later. They got Ben Hutton for the blue line for a 2022 fifth-round pick. 
And then Barabanov went, uh, really just to give him a chance to play in San Jose. I believe it was Samela who came back, uh, a Finnish center. So let's start with, with Riddich, Nick. I know you played tonight. They got the overtime loss. I thought he played okay. Um, let's start with him. Obviously, we won't just base it on tonight. But just in general, what were your thoughts on that Riddich trade? I thought it was good. Actually, I read, I don't, it was on The Athletic. It might have been Myrtle saying that they actually might not know if Frederick Anderson's going to come uh, before the season ends. And Rich was kind of just like an insurance policy, just in case he can't play, just so that it's another goalie in front of Michael Hutchinson. So, uh, you know, I didn't mind the price. You know, I, th- I think that you don't want to go into the playoffs with uh, Anderson, who obviously hasn't been on the ice and what feels like, I think it is over a month now. And Campbell, who's been playing really well, but also has been has that nagging injury. Um, you know, I think it's a good move. I think if you want to have a long playoff run, you can't rely on that. So I'm glad they had it. I thought he played well today. I don't really blame any of the goals on him at all. Um, and I thought he was solid today. Yeah, I think it was just a must move. Like, they had to make that trade. Just, I, I don't think, it sounds like for Anderson's not coming back, but we'll see. Um, I, I don't, I guess, again, I don't think they know. Um, and, you know, there's always setbacks, too, as a, as a potential possibility. So with him and Campbell, their health, I think you need to get a goalie. I know we guessed Allmark, um, who didn't end up getting traded by Buffalo. Um, we thought Bernier was a little unlikely just because it was the reunion. So I think if, if we would have spent more time on, on goaltenders on the last episode, I think we would have definitely said Riddick because he played great against Toronto this year. I know he had saved 70 straight shots. He was like a Vezina caliber goalie against them. So I think the Leafs know what he can do. The Leafs players know what he's capable of. Um, you know, he. I don't think you wanted Hutchison in a playoff game under any circumstance. So I, I'm a big fan of that move for a third-round pick. It's a great insurance policy. I think when you're a team that's looking to contend, a team that's as good as the Leafs, those are the kind of deals that make sense. So um, big fan of that move. In terms of Ben Hutton, I don't have much to say. I think they wanted a depth defenseman who, who's played NHL games. I don't think they wanted to throw Lilligren in. Um, you know, doesn't play at all in the regular season and then, you know, throw him into playoff action. Um, he seems like he's a happy-go-lucky guy, according to Kevin Bieksa. And that, I saw that Barbie video. He's a, bar- he's a Barbie girl. That's what That was the Leafs needs going into the deadline. <laughs> so it's great. Like, he'll be great for the Amazon series as a fifth-round pick. I don't know how good he is. We'll see. What, I'm sure they'll get him some games. You know, I don't think they're scratching Dermot permanently or anything, but... He seems like a good candidate, a happy-go-lucky guy that can, you know, play here and there. And if there's injuries, great. You have an extra, you have an extra body. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have too strong feelings about Hutton. I love that video though. Um, I gotta see a, I gotta see a Hutton Dermot pairing because I feel like that the energy between those two will be uh, through the roof. But yeah, I know. I think it's just, a, I think it's just a good depth move. We'll see if he even even plays. We, we've said this in the past, like if, if you go on a long run, usually you need at least, you know, seven, eight D that are rotating in at some point. So uh, I guess the, the more the merrier. Yep, exactly. So I think, you know, ha- very happy with Riddick. I'm okay with Hutton. Like I expected them to get a depth defenseman. Um, the Bayer-Banoff trade, I don't have much to say other than it makes sense to give them a chance to play. They went out and got Felino, Riley Nash. Uh, he clearly wasn't going to to play much down the stretch. I think they also wanted to get guys like Robertson, Saverin, some playing time. Um, give him a chance to play in San Jose. I thought he was fine. He's good on the floor check. You know, I wish him all the best. But if you want to get these free agents, and 
Yeah. Even Christopher Stieg mentioned it on the broadcast. Like players take note of these things. You know, you're not going to be buried in the depth chart if if you sign Toronto. Um, it's not. They did the same thing with Lettinen. They did the same thing with Levo. I think it just makes sense if you want to lure a KHL free agents and just free agents in general, uh, making sure they're not going to be you know rooting their careers by signing in Toronto. Yeah, exactly. There's two things actually I want to address here. One you touched upon already. Like I think this organization takes a lot of pride in in being good people and i know this kind of sounds cliche but like you said they did this with levo they've done it with a bunch of different players like even when zaitsev got oh, sorry when marlowe got traded you know dubis was talking about how him and pat like pat marlowe were talking about it and he wanted to, to give him a shot uh to play somewhere else so you know i, th- I think that players do take note of this and i think that Toronto's probably being known as you know a, a an organization that's going to take care of you so I think just based on how many players we've seen Thorne, we've seen Spezza kind of take those team-friendly deals to come here. Obviously, there's some hometown ties there, but um, and obviously with Felino just now, like he, this apparently um, Columbus gave him the choice on who to go to, and he picked Toronto. So I don't know how much to read into that, but I mean, if that is true, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think Yarmo said the Leafs also had the best offer, so it kind of worked for both sides. But I know Felino was heavily involved in the process. Uh, I'm I'm excited to get to see him in about a week. I know he has to go through the quarantine process. Um, I I think it's just a such a likable guy. I think this team has so many likable players that's easy to root for. Like even if Felino struggles, it's kind of like Thornton and and Simmons, where it's like I I just root for the guy anyways. They're they're tough to hate, um, just because they're such they're just so likable players. Yeah. Um, let's kind of go. Do, sorry, I actually one more thing I wanted to address there is just like European free agents in general. Like I think I saw this a few times with Lettinen. Um, I understand it more with Lettinen. Like when people say, "Oh, like like Lettinen was a failure, and these European free agents never work out." And I saw it again with Verbanov. Like I can understand it to Lettinen to a certain extent. Um, I think people did have high hopes for him, including myself. Like I definitely didn't think he wouldn't be in a Leafs jersey right now. But, and then with Bear Banov, it's like, you got the player for free. Like, you didn't you didn't trade anything. They didn't cost too much on your cap. And they played NHL games for you. And they were pretty good while they were here. Like, it doesn't have to be a hit out of the park. Like, like not every single player needs to be Kaprizov or, you know, a, a star for it to be a good signing. Because it was low risk in the first place. So, I want to say that about European free agents, like... I just don't want to see like another European free agent in the summer signed and then everyone say, oh, well, look what happened to Bear Banoff. Like, they got pretty good mileage out of him. Yeah, I guess. Like, I do think we have to be kind of cautious on, you know, depending on who they get. Um, Kaprizov was a bit different. He was, you know, drafted and a huge prospect. The guy was nasty. I guess Gusev's another story. And, you know, he's getting, just got signed by, by Florida. So we'll see how he does there kind of interested i'm interested to see if, if bear banoff can kind of get a bottom six role for himself in, in san jose um you know i think that team's pretty bad so i do think he can make that lineup and you know i'm rooting for him so um definitely that was probably one of the smaller moves of the day but there were some bigger ones i wanted to get to just quick thoughts around the around the league i know we'll probably focus on on leafs and the lines later on nick but in terms of taylor hall I think it's just a steal for, for Boston, plain and simple. I know he had the no-move clause. Uh, again, I don't, I don't – I want to keep – we've already touched on Toronto not getting him, but 
I think I just think that was probably one of the deals of the day for uh, the Boston Bruins. Oh, easily. It's. I think we knew that as the time was going on, whichever deal Hall got, like Buffalo was going to get kind of kind of screwed in it. Um, yeah, it's definitely the the, the deal of the day. It's funny because I think you called it. You said Boston, did you, or, or did you say? Yeah, did, I, I think so. It just you seemed thought like... about it or something like that. Like, um, it, but yeah, I mean, he's playing with Craig, like and Craig Smith. Yeah, I think they they needed some sort of scoring. Feels like they need defense right now with all their injuries. But um, you know, I, I hope they don't make the playoffs. I think that'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, just that'd, like that'd be hockey karma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there were some definitely some interesting deals like. Avalanche got Nemeth, which is just a depth. There's a lot of depth defensemen, whether it's Montour, Nemeth. Um, just looking at it. Savard was a pretty big move. I know he went to the Lightning. I like that for Tampa Bay, given how good they are. Uh, I know Merrill went to the Canadians, another depth move. Um, most of these I'm looking at are just depth moves. Boston got Mike Riley. Um, I will say, and I want to get your thoughts on this. I know a lot of people wanted Alexiak. I think he would have cost a second or at least a third. I was okay with Hutton, just, you know, fifth-round pick. That's all I really wanted to give up for a guy that's, you know, probably not going to play, especially when you have someone like Sandine who who could step in. Uh, is that where you're at, or did you kind of want to go bigger? No, no, I, I wanted someone that I, I thought, you know, as soon as a lot of these guys get signed that we haven't really watched, like, I know myself, like, I right away look at their, like, their heat maps and, and different analytics like that, and sometimes when... You do look at that. Like, I know Kyle Clifford, I did that pretty early. And you could see that he was pretty good defensively. Now, with Hutton, he, like, none of those, none of those, like, kind of five-on-five metrics really jump out at you. So I, I was expecting someone that, you know, I would look at it and be like, oh, like, Dubas knows what he's doing here. But I think Hutton's just a guy. Um, so I don't really feel too strongly about it. Um, yeah, you know, if we'll see, like, if, you know, Dermot gets injured, knock on wood. Uh, whether he would be the first guy in. Um, I think if Sandine is is healthy, I think he should definitely be competing for that spot. But I guess we'll see what happens. So there's some other moves here. So Sam Bennett went to Florida for what amounted to two second-round picks. I thought that was a bit of an overpay. Um, Soderberg went to Colorado, just a small one. Yanmark in a fifth went for a second and a third. So I'm glad they got Felino rather than Yanmark. I just think that Yanmark... Doesn't have, like, the name value, if you will. Um, I don't think he would, you know, I think the locker room would be a little bit disappointed and, and demotivated if, if that was, you know, their big move. Um, I, I'm just, I'm happy with, with Foligno overall. Um, you know, I'm not doing, you know, I'm not partying in the street right now, but happy overall. I know most of the moves were, you know, deaf defensemen. And then we had the big one, which I want to get your thoughts on, which was, Anthony Mantha going to Washington for Verana, Richard Panic, a first and a second. What'd you think of that move? Uh, Iserman's good. I mean, I think that's a great deal for Detroit. Um, I don't know. It's like one of those deals that that, that it's kind of like way. a win-win. Yeah, it's a win-win. Like I, I don't really like when one team is selling and one team is buying, and then people kind of overanalyze like certain things. Like even the Muzzin deal. Like I think that's a win-win. They're, the Kings were. We're in a are still in a spot where they're rebuilding. They want picks. They want prospects, and they got that for a player like Muzzin. The Leafs are competing, like that's exactly what the Leafs want. So I think it's just a lot easier to kind of say that it's a win-win when one team is is selling and one team's buying. 
Um, but with that said, I mean, you could also be the Buffalo Sabres and, and trade Hall for, for a second. So, <laughs> yeah, that was, a that was a big win. I like the deal for Detroit as well. I just can't doubt at Iserman. I love, I really think Varan is one of the more underrated players in the league. You get a first and a second. Manza's a good player though. I think it'll help Washington. You know, it yeah. could be one of those, like, you know, uh, Fiala for Grandland trades where, you know, both players are pretty good and, and you end up being wrong about it, but I'll give the Detroit the edge there, but let's get back to the Leafs here. Um, I, I guess just the forward lines, Nick. So there's two guys I, I'd consider moving out. One would be Simmons, who we've touched on before. Maybe Felino gives you some grit that, that lets you, you know, feel a little bit more comfortable taking him out. The other would be Joe Thornton, who I think has gone scoreless in 13 games now. Tweeted last night, he just had two assists in his last 20 games. Now it's two assists in 21 after tonight. Who are you leaning towards there? Would it be a rotation for you between those two? Would it be someone else? What are you thinking there? Well, when, um, when uh, if Riley Nash is healthy, there is actually an opportunity that both of them would have to come out. Um, so I actually tweeted it the other day where my lines as of right now come playoff time, and this is obviously subject to change, um, would be Hyman, Matthews, Marner, second line of Galchenyuk, Tavares, Nylander, the checking line of Felino, Engvall, Mikheyev, and then the fourth line of Spezza, Kerfoot, Thornton. Now with that, you're pretty much scratching Riley Nash and Wayne Simmons. Um, I'll talk about Wayne Simmons a little bit here. I, I just don't know what he's bringing right now. I thought the last two games he hasn't been great. I think... In transition, he's just the, the puck. Like he just, he's even gonna do like a little flip. I think in the offensive zone, he's not really giving them much. And on the power play, like it's a struggling power play. And I think they can find another net front guy. So he's definitely a scratch for me. And then after that, it's like with Thornton. I don't know. I think Thornton just has more fits in the lineup than Simmons does. So that's one lineup matchup that I'm gonna be watching is Simmons versus Thornton. And then the other one is Engvall versus Riley Nash for that third-line center spot. Um, Engvall's actually not been as good as I've kind of expected him to be in the last two or three games. I feel like as soon as he starts entering the zone, he's turned the puck over a bunch of times. So I think he's going to have to clean that up if he wants to beat Riley Nash. But for now, I'll say that my scratches would be Nash because I don't know what he's going to look like after the injury and Simmons. But that's very subject to change. I probably go Thornton Simmons. I feel like they won't scratch Thornton, but we'll see. Yeah, um, that, you know, th- I think that's the the logical move right now. Like if Riley Nash looks even close to the regular Riley Nash that we're used to, then yeah, I'm completely on board with you going Thornton and Simmons. I th- apparently Nash is gonna play, and I would play. I think he's good enough to play. Um, I think the Leafs know him well. I think Freeman today said you know he's gonna play. I think Myrtle also said that Keith's been looking for a right-handed faceoff option. For the penalty kill, I know they've gone with Spezza there, but uh, Nash is probably a better fit. Um, you know, Engvall and Kerfoot struggle in the dot, so I, I think if you're taking the top twelve forwards, Nash is probably one. And uh, if he's healthy and he's and he's you know gets his legs back because you know he's going to be injured, it's going to take him a bit to you know through practice get back up to speed. But uh, I do think that when healthy, he's probably one of the twelve plus forwards right now. So. Uh, just in terms of lines, I think we're kind of on the same page. So, like, I think it's it's Hyman on line one, um, Galchenyuk on line two. I, I think they're just both so strong in the forecheck. Obviously, Hyman's in a different 
caliber of, of player than Galchenyuk, but um, you know, in some in some combination, I'd I'd want them in the top six. But I'm interested to experiment. I, I think Felino, I'd like to see him actually with Kerfoot. I think that'd be a really good combo. Uh, I do think they need kind of a, a scoring line. Like I wouldn't mind going Felino Kerfoot Spezza, for example, um, and then maybe go in with like a very defensive fourth line. I do think this team's going to be pretty strong defensively, though. You just look at their defense now compared to last year when Muzzin got hurt with that, you know, Marinson Hall, Riley CC, and Dermot Barry. I, I just think it's just so much better. The the, the forward defense is better. Uh, I'm interested to see it. So we'll we'll see what happens here. But once Felino's back, I'm, where do you think he starts? I guess that's a good question. Do you think he's going to start in the top? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Hundred percent. Um, I think we've just heard it like from Chris Johnston and Elliot Friedman over the last couple of months that the Leafs have been looking for someone specifically to play with Tavares Nylander. So I think for sure he's gonna start next to their um Well, they got Galchenyuk though, right? So and he, and they They were talking about Galchenyuk. it after though. I don't know, like we'll see. I, I, I think the the more actually I think of it, I mean in the end I I hope that he's on that, that checking line. because uh, Felino's just so good defensively. Um I guess we'll see where he starts. But one thing I've been thinking about is, and I mentioned this on the last podcast, was I want depth scoring and I want that bottom six to be able to score because against Columbus, they're pretty bad. And if you can somehow get Galchenyuk in that kind of in that bottom six, and I, I think you've touched upon it actually, that it would give some offensive punch. And I've been trying to think of how they can do that. And so one way I thought, sorry, I like Kerfoot Spezza. Then, if you're going to do that, in the top six, no, like in the bottom six, Galchenyuk oh, Spezza. No, I'm trying to think of, of two guys that you can put in the top six with kind of your big four to allow Galchenyuk or even like Hyman. I definitely wanted the top six. Okay, um, but if if there's a way that you can get Galchenyuk and Felino in your bottom six. Like in one way, I thought of it. Two players that I thought that still could play in the top six. So one is Alex Kerfoot. We've seen him play with Tavares and Nylander. Um, I thought they were pretty good together. And then you get okay. Galchenyuk in the bottom six, which just gives you a little bit more offense. And another one is Thornton. Thornton playing with Matthews Marner. Hyman goes with Tavares and Nylander. And then mm, Galchenyuk like in the bottom six. Now Thornton hasn't been. Sorry. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out on Thornton in the top six. I don't know. Like he was pretty. If if you can get I, this, isn't my num plan A, plan B, or plan C. Um, but I want a pretty like I, I think the Thornton was pretty good with Matthews and Marner. And then as soon as he got taken off that line, you know, kind of it was easy to predict that he wasn't very good. But like that was a pretty good line. Like you know, you and I were talking about Thornton potentially, you know, being a legitimate top six forward and and potentially, you know centering that third line early in the year like that's how good he was doing yeah so maybe you try him as the fourth line center but when you have when you have two points in your last 21 games i just don't think they should be going back to that he hasn't looked like the same guy i know he got off to a pretty good start but a lot of guys look better with with matthews and marner and and frankly i think it's got to be hyman there i don't want to see thor in there come playoff time at this point that's my plan A for sure, yeah. is uh, is Hyman there. But I don't know, I'm just kind of brainstorming here. I think that they are going to try a d- bunch of different looks. Um, 
But uh, maybe you but go. We'll see. Maybe you try Felino with Matthews Marner. Even I'm, I, I'm sure they'll give him some chances, and then we'll we'll see where that uh, where that takes him. Yeah, for sure. And you know, Sheldon keeps the best coach for this. Like he he'll try anything. Um, yeah, one thing I will. do, <laughs> yeah, he'll he's not shy, and they've got a huge lead, um, obviously in the North Division. But I do want to talk about special teams a little bit because. This power play looks pretty bad right now. And on the other hand, you have a pretty... Like, they just added two pretty good penalty killers in Riley Nash and, and Nick Foligno. So let's talk about the power play first. If someone comes sure. up to you and says, Kevin, what do we do? What do you want to do to fix this power play right now? What do you tell them? Tell them, stop playing the guys that want to be scratched on the top unit. That's what I tell them. So no Simmons, <laughs> no Thornton. Um, I would go, I'd load it up, and I think you got more than enough talent for power play too. Guys like Gelchenyuk, Spezza, uh, potentially Hyman. So yeah, I, I would load up power play one. Tonight's game, I thought, I honestly, they only had the one power play, it was the four minute one. I thought Calgary's penalty kill was, was very strong. Like, I, I think sometimes we don't give any credit to the penalty killers. Um, and normally that's justified. Like, sometimes that is justified, maybe not normally, but sometimes. Tonight, I, th- I thought they were legitimately impressive. I always find Carolina's penalty kills very impressive, um, just with their aggression. Um, but in general, it hasn't been great. Uh, I do think that I would I would stack power play one. I've been saying it forever. Um, you know, get Martyr on his, on his non-one-timer side. You know, give him options, whether he's feeding Tavares down low, feeding Matthews across the ice. Um, you know, I, I do think they'll figure it out. I think it's impressive that they... I think they're like nine, one and one in their last eleven, and they've done it with such a bad power play. So I am pretty confident they'll figure it out. But it's certainly nice that they're winning games without their power play right now. Yeah, it is impressive, and and I do agree about Calgary. I, I think Calgary just has a bunch of really kind of spunky forwards that can go on the penalty kill. Like Di- Derek Ryan's very good positionally. Obviously, uh, Mangiapani is a favorite of the podcast. Lindholm, Backlund, like they've got some good forwards that I, I really like their power penalty kill as well. Um, I agree. I think that they should load up the power play. I think sometimes when, I think sometimes you can kind of overthink the power play. And when you have guys that are so good, like obviously Matthews, yeah, Marner, who's one of the best passers in the league. Like, I just want to see them on their non-one-timer sides. Riley's job should just be, I don't want to see Riley shoot anymore. Every single time that Riley shoots, it feels like the puck's going the other way and they can never kind of enter the zone again with possession. Um, and it kind of just kills a power play. So I just want to see Riley there facilitate, give the puck to Marner, give the puck to Matthews, try and get the puck down low. And, you know, I don't want to see Riley kind of that that facilitator on the power play anymore. Um, but let's kind of shift over to the penalty kill here. Now... Virtually this season, Toronto's been using, they've been using Hyman, they've been using Marner, and then kind of a mix of like Mikheyev and Engvall seen a little bit, Kerfoot. Now you get Felino, now you get Riley Nash, two guys that can penalty kill. Like who are your top four penalty killers come playoff time if you were to, to choose right now? I don't know, Marner, Hyman, Mikheyev, Nash, Kerfoot can do it. If you had I'm to pick with taking face off. your top four. Okay, Marner, Hyman, Nash is going to be there because he's going to take penalty kill. Uh, he's going to take face-offs. Face-offs, yep. And then, I guess, Makayev. I mean, 
I have I have no concerns about the penalty kill. I think they have so many good guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Felino to left left side faceoffs. It's going to matter who's in the lineup. Um, so I, I bet you, I'm guessing Engvall might not be, but um, yeah, I think they have more than enough options on the penalty kill. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. Uh, I think they have a lot of options right now after getting Felino and Nash. Like that's where they've they've kind of loaded up there, but. Um, but yeah, I think we'll see. I definitely think the power play, like if they're going to go deep in the playoffs, like that power play needs to start uh, clicking because, yeah, there's less power plays called in the playoffs, but like we've seen a bunch of teams that Boston included, um, and I'm specifically looking at them, that can virtually play one-line hockey and pretty good defensive hockey and then kill you on the power play. So I do think Toronto's kind of trending towards that where they're virtually going to be a team where you have that Matthews Marner Hyman line that's going to be pretty much that needs to score. You know, Tavares and Nylander, they got to be going. And then you have a bottom six that's virtually just not going to allow goals, but they're not going to score too many either. So I do think that power play needs to get going. Yeah, for sure. I mean, at least the five on five plays there, the penalty kill is getting better. The power play is just the last, the last straw here. So if that gets better, they're going to win a lot of hockey games. But I want to end with some trivia, Nick. So this is a kind of an interesting question. The Leafs traded at the trade deadline for Nick Foligno a 2021 first-round pick. When was the last time they used their own first-round pick? Uh, Sandine. Oh, no, you know what? They traded that one, too, at the draft. Uh, oh, that's a good question. I think Timothy Lillian. You are correct. Yeah, I, oh, I caught I get, caught myself there though. As soon as I as I soon as I said Sandine, quickly a, a, a image of Semyon Durgenchensev's face came into my mind, and he he told <laughs> me, "Take that back right now." So really, the last one was the Mark Hunter draft, which was Lilligren. Um So twenty twenty one's been traded. Twenty twenty was traded. I believe that was for Marlowe. Uh, that was number twelve actually, and then they ended up trading for 15 uh the year before they had traded it for muzzin i believe because they ended up getting robertson at round two and then sandine they had traded down for it i think they had like i think they had like 25 and they ended up getting uh the 30th pick so yeah it's been it's gonna be four straight drafts it sounds like without their own first round pick so nick great job on the trivia uh thanks for okay the- i actually have a question for you kevin uh, I'm going to throw it back at you. So the 2015 World Championship, okay. so the IIHF World Championship of 2015 was absolutely stacked. So it had Hall, it had Couturier, uh, Nathan McKinnon, Shen, Crosby, Sagan. Which Leafs forward that's on the current team right now led scoring in that for, the, for Canada? That's at... 2015. They had Crosby? They had Crosby. They had Crosby, they had Sagan, they had O'Reilly, McKinnon, Giroux, um, Braden Shen, Taylor Hall, Sean Couturier, Matt Duchesne. Wow. Team is stacked. I'm going to go... I think I, I think I might know it. I'm going to go Jason Spezza. It is Jason Spezza. I don't know how I knew that. 2015. Five years... Six years ago. I didn't know that team was that stacked. Um, I know the states weren't because they don't get their their A team. Like no one goes for them, but that's that's they had a uh, 
a phenomenal defensive pairing that you might know quite well of Jake Muzzin and Tyson Berry. Wow. I know. It's the boys right there. I know Riley played with Tanev once and everyone was like, you got to get Tanev. Like, he would obviously would have been a good player, <laughs> but it's just kind of funny. After that, everyone wanted uh, that pairing reunited, which probably would have been a pretty good pairing. But Nick, thank you for the trivia question in return. And thank you for some trade deadline analysis tonight. And we'll see everybody next week.